1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. For these first couple of segments, we'll take a look at some of the serious news. And then in the second half of this first hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And James Blend will join me to do just that. In our second hour, we'll share with you this week's Christian Outlook, featuring some of the talk show hosts. From around the country. We'll hear from Eric Metaxas as he talks with Max McLean about his efforts to bring the life of C.S. Lewis to the live stage and through his film adaptation, The Most Reluctant Convert. Craig Roberts uh, will turn to Brian Johnston, the Western director of the National Right to Life Committee. They'll talk about the U.S. Supreme Court's announcement to take up the challenge to the Texas heartbeat bill. And you'll have an opportunity to hear my conversation with Billy Graham's granddaughter, Rachel Ruth Lotz-Wright. We talked about her book, Jesus Followers, Real Life Lessons for Igniting Faith in the Next Generation. All of that's coming up in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. But first, some of the day's headlines. Well, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for emergency use in children aged 5 to 11 today. It's a critical step toward beginning vaccinations for that age group, we're being told. Well, the FDA... FDA rather, has determined this Pfizer vaccine has met the criteria for emergency use authorization. The FDA said in a press release, based on the totality of scientific evidence available, the known and potential benefits of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine in individuals down to five years of age outweigh the known and potential risks. As a general statement, I suppose that makes sense, unless you happen to be one of the few that... uh, has a negative response and parents are going to have to make decisions unless there's going to be a mandate. Well, the FDA granted the emergency use authorization days after a panel of experts recommended its approval. The dose size for kids is one third of the dose recommended for people age 12 and older. The agency cited data showing the vaccine was nearly 91 percent effective in preventing COVID-19 for the age group, despite the smaller dose. And overall, 68 percent of all Oregonians, including kids who aren't yet eligible for the vaccine, have gotten at least one shot and 63 percent are fully vaccinated. Well, the Oregon Health Authority on Thursday reported 80 percent of Oregonians 18 and older have now received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine, according to the CDC. The database shows a slightly higher number than OHA's dashboard because of reporting from federal facilities like the Veterans Administration. Overall, 68% of all Oregonians, including kids who aren't yet eligible for the vaccines, have gotten at least one of the shots. OHA said health officials still believe Oregon is below the level of herd immunity required to stop the virus from spreading. The state reached this vaccination milestone on the same day it reported 24 new COVID-related deaths as well as 1,116 new cases. Their latest breakthrough case report found 72.1% of reported COVID-19 cases between the 17th and the 23rd of this month were in people who were not vaccinated. And I'm not sure why they would refer to them as breakthrough cases, because that's for people who are vaccinated. Uh, There were 2,158, rather 56 breakthrough cases in people fully vaccinated and 27.9% of all cases. There have been um, 35,424 COVID vaccine breakthrough cases in Oregon to date. Of those, 4.4% have been hospitalized and 1% has died. Well, Portland's reputation has taken a bit of a beating recently, and as a result, organizations and companies that thought about holding big conventions here, bringing tourists and money with them, are now looking elsewhere. Well, that's according to a recent tourism report by Travel Portland. The agency presented its findings to Portland City Commissioners earlier this week. Here's the problem. Around the world, too many people associate Portland with homelessness and homicide, Commissioner Mingus Maps said. He uh, is the city's tourism liaison. Like most of the city council, he was not surprised by the findings. Today, a significant, uh, a significant chunk of humanity is afraid of spending time and money in our city, he said. Portland's specific issues that are related to civil unrest and public safety concerns have exacerbated the negative occurrences of declining attendance and group cancellations. That's what Travel Portland President CEO Jeff Miller said. Well, according to the city, in 2019, tourism supported about 36,000 jobs in the Portland metro area. In 2020, about 10,000 jobs, down by about a third. Uh, about 10,000 of those jobs disappeared along with a lot of business. It doesn't seem like it's safe, a safe situation for a lot of people, Donald Kinney. Uh, who's part owner of Spirit 77, chimed in saying, well, the restaurant depends on a lot of tourism, especially from the nearby convention center. He worries what the pandemic plus Portland's not so pretty image will mean for business. And lots of business owners are facing that same question. In other news, Terry McAuliffe emails reveal an effort to uh, kill a Fox News story. The Virginia Democratic gubernatorial candidate, his campaign raised eyebrows by spending nearly $60,000 to hire high, rather, a high-profile attorney known for masterminding election-related legal challenges. When uh, Fox News sent the campaign a request for comment, the McAuliffe campaign scrambled to kill the story, according to emails mistakenly sent to the network. Less than a month before Election Day, McAuliffe's campaign spent $53,680 on the services of the Elias Law Group, a firm that Mark Elias started earlier this year. Uh, Elias had uh, formerly worked as a partner at the law firm Perkins Coy which the Hillary Clinton campaign hired in 2016 in order to conduct opposition research on Donald Trump. Research that included the infamous Christopher Steele dossier that's since been discredited. Republicans have accused Elias of lying to hide the Clinton campaign's role in funding the dossier. House Republicans accused Elias of having a serious conflict of interest when he represented Iowa Democratic candidate Rita Hart in her effort to overturn the results of her extremely narrow loss to Republican Representative Marionette Miller Meek. Well, Fox News reached out to the McAuliffe campaign for comment following a suggestion by George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley, who wrote that McAuliffe hiring Elias is an astonishing move. McAuliffe spokeswoman Christina Freundlich uh, responded to the email with a message apparently meant for colleagues, not for Fox News. Can we try to kill this, she wrote. In other developments, a Fox News poll finds the majority of Virginia parents in support of Youngkin. The liberal media has embraced an anti-parent stance in the final days of the Virginia gubernatorial race. And Virginia promotes a book telling teachers to embrace critical race theory, which McAuliffe says isn't being taught. One of them's wrong. A California school board member who fired an expletive at a parent had second hot mic slip up, according to a video that's uh, been released. The president of a California school district to apologize this week for cursing at a parent who was speaking out against the mask mandate in schools during a Tuesday meeting was apparently caught on a hot mic for a second time during the same meeting, according to a social media video. Mutual respect is probably where we need to start. A New Jersey professor uh, on white people, he says, I want to say we got to take these expletives out referring to all white people. It doesn't matter who you are as an individual, what your history is, all. And this is considered acceptable in the 21st century. The Kansas University Student Government Senate has denied a conservative group official status. Not really new news there. A defiant Yale student and Native American Association member has refused to apologize for a racist email. And Loudoun County documents show the sheriff's frustration with the school board's treatment of residents. Well, speaker Pelosi claims the most progressive are back uh, to support the infrastructure bill. The House Speaker struck an optimistic tone after she was forced to delay a planned vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill on Thursday night, asserting in a letter to colleagues that most progressive lawmakers who opposed her timeline were still committed to backing the legislation. As you know by now, the House will postpone the vote on the bipartisan infrastructure framework, she said in a letter. The good news is that most members who are not prepared to uh, for a yes vote today have expressed their commitment to support the BIF. I thank the overwhelming number of House Democrats who support both the BIF and the Build Back Better Act. It is both heartening and impressive to observe the strength of members' engagement in the discussion. Well, the vote was delayed with pushback from the House Progressive Caucus. The far left group said its members had overwhelmingly voted to endorse a scaled back version of the president's social spending bill, but warned they would not vote to pass the Senate's bipartisan infrastructure bill unless a finalized version of the spending bill was brought up at the same time. The caucus said the dual vote cannot be accomplished without legislative text that can be fully assessed and agreed upon by all parties, including 218 representatives and all 50 senators in this Democratic caucus. Well, the speaker noted the full text of the spending bill was available for review, adding that the House Budget Committee had released a section by section analysis of the legislation. And while she and others have touted mounting support for both pieces of legislation, it remained unclear if Democratic leaders could garner enough votes to pass them. In other developments, President Biden headed to Europe as Democrats in fighting stalled an infrastructure vote. It will be coming, just not yesterday. President Biden takes no questions on the reconciliation speech he gave before jetting off to the G20 European trip, saying, I'll see you in Rome. The president's new reconciliation framework will cost one point seven five trillion dollars, including one point nine nine five trillion dollars in tax hikes, according to the White House. And the spending bill has left both Democrats and the GOP frustrated. It will continue very likely through the weekend. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the day's news. So stay with us. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in the next segment, next couple of segments, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news with James Blend. And the five o'clock hour, we'll take a look at the Christian outlook. Well, the Biden administration has been barred from firing unvaccinated employees after a DC judge issued an injunction, and the president's pick of Elizabeth Preloger has been confirmed by the Senate to be the U.S. Solicitor General. Oklahoma resumed executions, taking the life of an inmate for a slaying that occurred in 1998. Well, even the World Series is feeling the squeeze of the Biden supply chain crisis, and Elon Musk jabs money-hungry lawmakers, as he refers to them in Washington, saying he has better plans for his billions. Amazon falls far short on earnings, citing the ongoing supply chain crisis as well. Starbucks workers will vote on a union in three Buffalo stores, and Facebook announced it's going by a new name in a surprising rebrand move. Well, the NAACP is urging athletes not to sign with teams based in Texas, none of which have to do with race so much as politics. From the story, the NAACP on Thursday called on members of the NBA, the WNBA, NFL, NHL and MLB to consider not signing with teams in Texas as a protest against several controversial laws passed recently in the state. ESPN uh, writes... In a two page letter signed by the NAACP president and CEO, Derek Johnson, uh, that was sent to the MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL and WNBA players associations. The organization pointed to recent laws on abortions, voting rights and mask mandates during the uh, coronavirus pandemic as reasons to avoid joining teams in Texas. President Biden is looking to pay families who were separated at the border after having entered the country illegally Four hundred and fifty thousand dollars each. The Biden administration is in talks to offer immigrant families that were separated during the Trump administration around four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a person in compensation. According to people familiar with the matter, several agencies work to resolve lawsuits filed on behalf of parents and children who say the government subjected them to lasting psychological trauma. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about people who are in the country unlawfully. The U.S. Departments of Justice, Homeland Security and Health and Human Services are considering payments that could amount to close to a million dollars a family. Though the final numbers could shift, the people familiar with the matter said many families would likely get smaller payouts depending on their circumstances, they also said. Dan Crenshaw said for perspective, if a service member is killed in action defending this country, their next of kin gets an insurance payment of $400,000. Let that sink in. Virginia gubernatorial candidate Youngkin takes the lead in uh, poll averages in Virginia. This is the first time he's done so in the real clear politics average. McAuliffe had a four point lead in early October. And General Mark Milley is calling China's hypersonic test a Sputnik moment. The nation's top military officer called the suspected test of a hypersonic weapon system very concerning and almost like a Sputnik moment. Amid increasing tension between the U.S. and China, Beijing is believed to have um, tested a weapon system during the summer, but neither the Defense Department nor U.S. intelligence agencies had formally acknowledged China's suspected test of a hypersonic weapon system. So, Milley's recognition and characterization of the suspected test is significant. Well, President Biden wants to double the funding to the IRS. The White House has released a new spending framework, not a written bill, uh, to bolster the president's uh, Build Back Better agenda before he heads overseas. That was yesterday. Thursday afternoon. The revenue portion of the plan shows the framework doubles funding for the IRS. Bill Kirpin points out doubling the size of the Internal Revenue Service to try to wring 400 billion dollars out of Americans is a recipe for disaster. And Kevin McCarthy points out put this in perspective as a part of their socialist scam. Democrats want to hire more IRS agents than the population of President Biden's hometown, Scranton, Pennsylvania. While McDonald's has raised menu prices to combat higher employee wages, as have a lot of restaurants, McDonald's Corp is raising the menu prices to keep pace with the growing costs of hiring, the company said, with wages alone up uh, at least 10 percent so far this year at U.S. restaurants. President Biden and the Democrats' budget deal adds over a half trillion dollars of climate spending. Uh, two, as the story explains, helped Biden demonstrate at a high profile United Nations summit this week that the United States can meet its international climate commitments. A GOP poll shows Nancy Pelosi's net favorability dropped to 36 percent approval rating across congressional battleground districts with a solid majority of 57 percent of Americans disapproving of her performance. The most flattering numbers for Pelosi came in at 37 uh, percent approval. A Florida school takes young children to a gay bar for a field trip. A school board member brags that she was honored to chaperone the affair. But uh, from the story, the Department of Education is sending an investigator to the school on Friday to determine if there is a legally significant complaint. So it doesn't matter if it was right or wrong. You just have to have a complaint. um, A spokesman uh, said from the school district. An AT&T employee's training uh, program, I should say, calls white people the problem. Actually, we have more than one and they're not all white. According to internal documents obtained by City Journal's Christopher Rufo, the company uh, implemented an initiative called the Listen, Understand Act last year, which is based on the core principles of critical race theory, including intersectionality, uh, systemic racism, white privilege and white fragility. The program peddles left wing causes, including reparations, defunding the police and transgender activism, according to Rufo. Well, Democrats released the text of the massive social spending bill. And what could possibly go wrong? The spending plan gives the IRS massive new powers and resources. Joe Biden begged Democrats uh, to back the shrunken spending measure. I need you to help me. I need your votes, he said on Thursday. The president claims the reconciliation package will reduce the deficit. I'm not sure in what world that would be true, but not this one. Deja vu. Nancy Pelosi again stalls the vote on the infrastructure bill with interparty revolt at hand. In a mind-boggling move, President Biden is considering paying border crossers $450,000. I thought it bore repeating. The FCC voted to halt China telecom operations. Uh, within the United States and the Biden administration has been barred from firing unvaccinated employees at a D.C. judge issues an injunction. The vax mandate could uh, force the fire department of New York uh, and other uh, other companies to close as NYPD faces a street cop shortage as well. Well, the student staff uh, lap dance incident at a Kentucky high school followed other provocative events. Student staff, you've got Adults who are being serviced by the teenagers in the school. I'll leave it at that. The California school board president cursed parents on a hot mic more than once. And the second time after apologizing for the first, the department of justice is planning to pay $88 million to families Uh, And victims of the South Carolina church massacre and former New York governor Andrew Cuomo has been charged with a sex crime months after resigning. A black lawyers group says New York concealed carry restrictions are racist and uh, backs a Supreme Court challenge. Well, on this day in history, 1911, Hungarian born American newspaperman Joseph Pulitzer, 64, dies in Charleston, South Carolina. 1929, Black Tuesday descends upon the New York Stock Exchange. Prices collapse with panic selling and thousands of investors are wiped out as America's Great Depression begins. 1956, the Huntley-Brinkley Report premieres as NBC's nightly television newscast. 1987, following the confirmation defeat of Robert H. Bork to serve as the U.S. Supreme Court, President Ronald Reagan announces his choice of Douglas H. Ginsburg. A nomination that would fall apart over revelations of Ginsburg's previous marijuana use. 1998: Senator John Glenn, at age 77, roars back into space aboard the shuttle Discovery, retracting the uh, rather retracing the trail that he'd blazed for America's astronauts 36 years earlier. 2012. Superstorm Sandy slams ashore in New Jersey and slowly marches inland, devastating coastal communities and causing widespread power outages. The storm in its aftermath would uh, be blamed for at least 182 deaths in the U.S. 2014, the San Francisco Giants win Game 7 on the road for their third World Series title in five years as they defeat the uh, Kansas City Royals. And finally, on this day in history, all but 10 members of the Houston Texans take a knee during a national anthem, reacting to a remark from team owner Bob McNair to other NFL owners that we can't have the inmates running the prison. It's usually the asylum, but nonetheless, players found it rather offensive. Well, coming up, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. You may not have known, for example, that today is National Cat Day. National Cat Day. I, I, who decides these things? But that's what today is. We'll talk a little about a little bit about that, and then in the second hour, we'll hear from Max McLean. He is, in fact, uh, adapting a stage performance into a a, um, movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, that's going to be released, I believe, next weekend. We'll hear from Brian Johnston. He is with uh, National Right to Life. He'll talk about the U.S. Supreme Court announcement to take up the challenge to the Texas heartbeat bill. That's coming up on Monday, November 1st. And then, of course, they're going to hear arguments regarding the Mississippi um, law on December the 1st. And you'll also have an opportunity to hear my conversation with Billy Graham's granddaughter, Rachel Ruth Lotz-Wright. We talked about her book, Jesus Followers, Real Life Lessons for Igniting Faith in the Next Generation. That and more coming up on the uh, Christian Outlook. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments. And when we do return, it will be with James Blend.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Joining me for the next couple of segments, James Blend as we take a look at the lighter side of the news. Happy National Cat Day, James.
3: I know this is probably one of your favoriteest of holidays.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even apply the word holiday, but <laughs> it is national festive cat Day.
3: festive celebration.
2: Yeah, I suppose. And by the way, there's a new dating app for cat forward lifestyles. So if you are really that into your cat, there are ways to incorporate that in other aspects of life. If you want to be their, um, their good friend, you got to get uh, with their furry friends as well. So uh, if you want to um, deepen your relationship with your cat on national cat day, we've all seen the dating app profile uh, tropes, dude posing with a big fish guy, hugging a big dog woman with cat smooshing on her cheek. And we all judge those pictures. well, Some of us don't even look at them, so maybe we don't. But there's a new app, Tabby is the name of it, the dating app for cat-forward lifestyles that could help singles overcome some catty misconceptions. It also has a perfect way to trend on hashtag National Cat Day, a.k.a. Friday, October 29th. The creator is even braving ABC's Shark Tank tonight to prove it. So this is a a pretty big deal. According to one recent survey, 43% of singles believe that they can... Uh, ascertain a dating app user's personality based on their profile pictures alone posing with their pet may indicate a few positive qualities such as responsibility and care. However, research shows that there is a common stigma attached to cat ownership. As one recent study suggests that some uh, women found that men holding cats is to be less dateable as opposed to men with dogs. That's according to the conversation. So there you have it on this National Cat Day. Probably more than you ever wanted to know about the subject.
3: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not what I would call a uh, cat person myself, so, you know.
2: You'll be surprised to learn that I'm not either. Really? Yeah, I know. You're shocked.
3: Uh, Very shocked.
2: (laughs) Well, a large spider native to East Asia has spun its thick golden web on power lines, porches, vegetable patches all over North Georgia this year. A proliferation that's driven some unnerved homeowners indoors and prompted a flood of anxious social media posts. Apparently it's pretty big. In um, metropolitan Atlanta, one resident, a self-described arachnophobe, stopped blowing leaves in her yard after inadvertently walking into a web created by the Joro spider, spelled with a J. Uh, Stephen Carter has avoided a walking trail along the Chattahoochee River where he encountered Joro webs even dozen, uh, every dozen steps. Well, farther east in Winterville, Georgia, Will Hudson's front porch became unusable amid an abundance of joro webs 10 feet deep. 10 feet deep. He estimates he killed more than 300 of the spiders on his property. The webs are a real mess, he says. He's an entomologist at the University of Georgia. Nobody wants to come out the door in the morning, walk down the steps and get a face full of, well, spider web. The Joro spider is part of a group of spiders known as orb weavers uh, for their highly organized wheel shaped webs now common to Japan, China, Korea, Taiwan. uh, These female spiders have colorful yellow, blue and red markings on their bodies. They're actually quite uh, pretty in terms of color. They can measure three inches across. When their legs are fully extended, that's a big spider spider. And apparently they weave a pretty big web. It's not clear exactly how and when the first Joro spider arrived in the U.S. And Georgia, a researcher identified one about 80 miles northeast of Atlanta in 2014. They've also been found in South Carolina. And Hudson is convinced they will spread across the south. It's also not clear why they're so abundant this year, though experts agree their numbers have exploded. Kind of makes you glad to live in the Pacific Northwest. It well,
3: I mean, you know, the question is a Joro spider versus murder hornet. I don't know.
2: Well, there, there's it, a. I mean, that sounds question. like it should
3: be a reality show. Actually, it probably will be. I, I, I don't think I'd watch it, but I'd want to know the result.
2: Well, this morning, no, it was yesterday morning. I got up and I was having my breakfast in the TV room, and I looked up and there was a creature. It must have been three to five inches long. And it was thick and it I think it had wings. I absolutely panicked. Uh, I get up earlier than Dan Rice does. So I ran upstairs, woke him from a sound sleep and said he had to come and rescue me because this thing was working its way up the wall. And he had to come and scoop it up. I'm not sure if he set it free outside or what he did. But the thing was terrifying. It wasn't a spider because it didn't have enough legs, but it had quite a big body. It wasn't a moth. It wasn't anything I'd ever seen before. It was terrifying.
3: A mystery bug.
2: I would have taken a picture, but that would have required the two of us to remain in the room at the same time, and that y- yeah. wasn't possible.
3: I mean, I'm both glad and disappointed at the same time.
2: Yeah. You know, if you're not fond of spiders, you may find kindred spirits in other spiders. One researcher worked with a um, jumping spider or spiders, plural, and found that they know to get away from the presence of other possible predator spiders, even if they've never encountered them before. Uh, And so you have um, spiders who have arachnophobia. Um, Her research uh, in what the, uh, the season brings in terms of large spiders was the what prompted her to have this conversation? But rather interesting to consider that spiders apparently are afraid of some of their kinfolk.
3: Well, as I say, does that mean the best repellent for spiders is a mirror?
2: Maybe so. I was gonna—I was thinking another spider, but that would just make things worse.
3: Yeah, you don't want to. No, a I, I think keeping it at one and going with the mirror look. It, yeah, yeah. Then and totally look—it's like that looks like me, but kind of in reverse. So it's got to be someone different. Ah, get me out of here! <laughs>
2: Nicely done. Thank you. You're welcome. A North Carolina town found itself under siege by buzzards and nothing the locals do will scare them from what they seem to be doing, their work. Well, the buzzards have chosen the town of Bun as a meeting place for the past year and they're congregating at every available location. On Wednesday, there were 28 buzzards perched on a cellular tower, another 21 at the high school across the street. As a movie come to mind, they weren't buzzards, but they were birds. Um, One resident counted 58 buzzards in her yard on the roof along the fence and atop the garage at one point. She said the unwelcome visitors would perch on her chimney and uh, peck at the bricks, pulling them down. These are big birds. Other locals say the buzzards, buzzards rather ate the roof vents off the restaurant in town about 30 miles northeast of Raleigh. Well, no one in Bunn seems to know why the scavengers have taken a shine to their town, but various attempts to evict them have failed back in december bun high school fired a propane cannon day and night well it worked for a while according to the police chief but the birds returned the school also hung vulture effigies (laughs) around its rooftop to deter the birds from gathering didn't keep them away either commonly called buzzards the birds are black or turkey vultures they are big and just very unattractive birds Federal and state law outlaws killing them, hurting, or harassing them. So I'm not sure how the canon fits into that. That's according to the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission. So any attempt to discourage them from nesting, perching, hanging out, pretty much forbidden.
3: Sad, truly, truly sad.
2: The Skokomish River is home to an annual salmon migration But it's also the most flood prone river in western Washington. And when you put the two together, the salmon get an unexpected detour and drivers get an unexpected sight. Well, those weren't your typical pedestrians crossing the street in Mason County in uh, western Washington during an atmospheric river Thursday afternoon. It was salmon. Why do the salmon cross the road? Well, to get to the other side. Well, the Skokomish River, about 45 miles southwest of Seattle, is home to an annual salmon migration, but it's also the most flood-prone river in western Washington. And when you put the two together, the salmon get an unexpected detour and drivers get an unexpected sight. There's a road nearby the river, according to a hydrologist with the National Weather Service in Seattle. So basically what's happening is the salmon are trying to go up river. But when the river floods, they don't necessarily know what's the actual river channel and what's not. So they just follow the water. And sometimes that water takes them across the road. Well, the surreal sight typically happens a few times every day, mainly during the autumn migration runs, late October through November into December, probably the most common months to see that. And I'd be out there with my fishing pole. You probably are not, aren't permitted to do that. but
3: Yeah, they usually are pretty good regulations on that, but boy, it would be tempting, and I'm not a big seafood person.
2: Yeah, nothing like a good, juicy salmon.
3: Put, put, put those up on eBay.
2: There you go. Well, a wedding in Mexico um, became an even more memorable event. We'll tell you more about that when we return in just a moment. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show with James Blind.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Well, when floods hit a southern Indian town, it looked as though a young couple would be unable to make their wedding, but they managed to reach the temple by floating through the flooded streets and a giant metal cooking pot. A couple identified by local media as health workers in the town of, well, I won't even bother attempting to mispronounce it, in southern India's. Um, one of the states uh, could be seen smiling and waving in their ceremonial clothes as two men waded through hip high water to steer their pot to the temple. They were married uh, in a ritual with only a small number of guests for reasons. I don't need to explain while brown water lapped up against the edge of the building rains across this uh, area have triggered flash floods and landslides in several areas, killing at least 22 people. Um, They offered uh, the worst floods in a century back in 2018, which killed at least 400 people and displaced 200,000. So it can get pretty bad, but this couple, they were determined, they made it, and they were married. Congratulations. Well, the wedding in Mexico became an even more memorable event for everyone present when the reception was interrupted by an unusual crasher, a wedding crasher. It was a bear in search of food. The video uh, by uh, user Angie Dessa, shows the bear knocking over a chair and putting its front paws on a table during dinner at the wedding reception. Uh, People can be heard banging on pots and pans in an attempt to scare the bear away as the animal uh, roots around in an apparent search for food. And of course, there's food there. He smells it and wasn't deterred. The bear is seen leaving while guests at nearby tables continue eating their meals without any apparent concern for the wedding crasher's presence. The filmer said another bear was spotted around the hotel and the night before the Bruin barged into the reception when the bear was successfully driven away from the party and no one was injured and a good time was had by all. Wow. A utility worker doing maintenance on a faulty water well in Iowa raised a pipe from the well and discovered it was covered in more than a dozen snakes. Latimer-based Mort's Water Company said the worker pulled the pipe up from the malfunctioning well earlier in the the month and was greeted by eight or nine bull snakes. Uh, The company said in a Facebook post the snakes had apparently slithered into the well through the top of a poorly sealed well casing. The company said the snakes were a surprising sight, but they were not the uh, cause of the well's issue. The problem turned out to be a pump and motor in need of repair. Well, bull snakes can grow up to six feet long, but they're non-venomous and not considered to be a threat to humans. Now, I, I believe that's probably true, but if I were to encounter a bull snake, my guess is I would hurt myself, and uh, that can't be good.
3: No, I mean, and, you know, after I, – I suppose that's preferable to finding, or was it 90-something rattlesnakes under your house like we talked about last, last week? Last week, yeah. But um, certainly uh, – I'm not sticking around to ask the questions of the snake.
2: Up to six feet long. And, you know, unless you know precisely what kind of snake it is, you don't want to approach a snake and assume it's not venomous or think you know, unless you actually know what the thing can do.
3: Yeah, you you better know your snake colorings really well. Because no matter how you phrase the question, they ain't going to answer.
2: Well, three sisters in Florida share the same birthday but they're not twins or triplets. Instead, the LeMert sisters, Sophia, Juliana and Mia, were each born on August the 25th, respectively, in 2015, 2018 and 2021. All three were delivered naturally. While well, explaining the coincidence of their shared birthdays, their mother chalks it up to, well, serendipity. Divine intervention, fate, loved ones up above, she says, speaking to the Orlando television station that was marveling. Uh, when Kristen LeMert, uh found out that Mia's due date was September 8th, 2021, she started thinking about the odds of the baby coming a little earlier. I thought she would absolutely be born two weeks earlier and share the same birthday with her two older sisters. And sure enough, well, Kristen uh, and her husband, Nick, they haven't uh, ruled out having more children. But whether they get a fourth August, the 25th birthday child is up to, well, God. Uh, with uh, maybe a little nudge from Kristen, she's really good at planning. Her husband says, "Wow, that simplifies things." I suppose until they get it old and. It simplifies, enough to I care. Saying,
3: and there got be. There's got to be a certain point where I mean, I I know of like siblings who have close birthdays um, and albeit different years, and they get they get, and, and and same with the brothers and. They don't like it after a while because yeah, they you have to, to share the attention. Yeah. It's the one day dedicated to you and you, you have to share the attention. I mean, I'm I'm all still a little bitter at my, my daughter for being born six days after my birthday. It's just a, a little closer, I taste.
2: <laughs> and that's six days. Through no fault of her own.
3: No fault of her. Well, no, mostly no fault of her own.
2: Okay. Hey, Professor, hold the mail. Well, short of help, Michigan State University is making an urgent plea to staff to volunteer in the campus dining halls including the faculty. Uh, MSU's Residential Services department has already asked 132 full-time employees to work 8 hours a week, the Lansing State Journal reported, but it's apparently not enough. Faculty and staff from around the campus are invited to sign up invited <laughs> to sign up uh, to assist in the dining halls. We have specific needs during evenings and weekends, says the senior vice president In an email to the deans, well, they provide a link to a a criminal background check and tips on how to prepare for the first shift. You would think if they're already staffed, they wouldn't need a criminal background check. But the director of undergraduate studies at MSU's um, computational math department said the request was astounding. I'm all about supporting the MSU student community and making sure they have a positive experience Mr. Silva said he was paid at least one hundred thousand dollars in 2020-2021 academic school year. But at the end of the day, I'm doing that in my own career and questioning whether I'm being sufficiently compensated. Huh. About four thousand students typically work in dining halls, but only twelve hundred were employed at the end of September. According to the state journal, starting pay was recently raised from twelve to fifteen dollars an hour. And MSU is competing with local businesses for workers. And, of course, you have fewer workers who are available and willing to work at all. MSU is no exception. Well, an emergency call made by a four-year-old New Zealand boy asking for police to come over and check out his toys prompted a real-life call-out and confirmation from an officer that the toys were indeed pretty cool. Police shared audio of the call on social media this week, along with a photo of the smiling boy sitting on the hood of the patrol cruiser, noting that while they were um, they don't encourage children to call the emergency number, the incident was, well, too cute not to share. The call begins uh, all business. This is police. What is your emergency? Uh, There was a pause as the unidentified boy hesitatingly said hi. And then the police uh, and then said police lady. Yes, the dispatcher said, switching to a friendlier, sing-y, sing-songy voice. What's going on? Um, I can't tell you something, the boy asked. And after being told he can, says, I got some toys for you. You've got some toys for me, said the dispatcher. Yep, come over and see them, the boy replies. Well, a man then gets on the phone, confirming the call was a mistake, saying the four-year-old boy had been helping out while his mother was sick. Well, a police dispatch call then goes out, giving the address. There's a four-year-old... Um, out there that wants to show the police his toys. They got in the cruiser, drove to his house, and confirmed his toys were cool. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, there's always one mortifying incident, I'm sure, for almost every parent of their child accidentally calling the uh, the fine folks at 911 about something or another.
2: Well, the interesting thing is, you know, the mom was sick, so she's probably present somewhere, has no idea... Uh, that the little boy had made the call, and all of a sudden, law enforcement shows up at her house.
3: The uh, the one with Verity was uh, she had uh, wanted to uh, play with my wife's uh, cell phone and play a. a uh, she has some learning games on there, and uh, she was playing one of them, and all of a sudden, she got very conversational. And <laughs> my my mother, my wife, was like, uh, "Who are you talking to?" And she looked; she could see by the phone that somehow she had accessed emergency services. Oh, no. So she pulled pulled over, got on the phone and apologized profusely. And yeah, it was (laughs) over shortly thereafter. Laughs were had by all except Verity, who was told not to do that again.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it is funny in hindsight. And we'll end with this one. Queen Elizabeth II is Britain's longest-lived and longest-reigning monarch, but don't call her an oldie. The 95-year-old queen has politely declined the honor of being named Oldie of the Year by a British magazine saying she does not meet the relevant criteria. Well, the Oldie magazine on Tuesday published the queen's response to its suggestion that she follow in the footsteps of former recipients, including former Prime Minister John Major, actor Olivia de Havilland, and artist David Hockney. Her Majesty believes you are as old as you feel. As such, the queen does not believe she meets the relevant criterion to be able to accept and hopes you will find a more worthy recipient, said the letter from her assistant private secretary. He ended the letter with her majesty's warmest, best wishes. In other words, don't you dare. Well, the queen who was widowed this year still keeps a busy schedule of royal duties. On Tuesday, she held audience with diplomats and hosted a reception at Windsor Castle. For a global business leaders, she's ninety four. Although just in the last few days, she's been a bit under the weather, and her yeah, doctors I was say, recently I saw it said just today that she was yeah, put on two, two weeks. weeks of bed rest. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Oldie of the Year prize honors people of advanced age who have made a special contribution to public life. The Queen's husband, Prince Philip, who died in April, received the accolade in twenty eleven when he was only ninety. Well, after only. the Queen declined this year's Oldie of the Year award, went to movie. Uh, royalty instead, French American actress and dancer Leslie Caron, who is herself ninety years old. I I wouldn't decline.
3: No, I'd you know.
2: I mean, at sixty five, I might actually qualify. I should give him a give him a call it, at the very
3: least. You're you're in the discussion.
2: <laughs> well, at least I'm old enough. Let's put it that way. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I've uh, got news and traffic at the top of the hour. When we return, we'll share this week's Christian Outlook. So stay with us.